What's up, everyone? I'm Joe Pompliano, and this is The Joe Pomp Show. Today's episode is with Matt Liner. Matt is a college football analyst at Fox Sports. He won a Heisman Trophy and National Championship at the University of Southern California, USC, in 2004. He was the 10th overall pick in the 2006 NFL Draft, and he played in the NFL for six seasons. We talk about what it was like playing at USC, how NIL has changed college football, the new business he is launching to fill a void, and much more. I really enjoyed this conversation with Matt, and I hope that you do also. But before we get into it, let's quickly run through today's sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Whoop. I've been wearing a Whoop for several years now, and it has made a massive difference in my life. It's the only tech product that I wear 24-7, so it's pretty cool to see people like Patrick Mahomes, Rory McIlroy, Michael Phelps, and Justin Bieber wearing one also. Whoop automatically measures your respiratory rate, oxygen level, resting heart rate, heart rate variability, calories, and activity levels throughout the day. Sure, it might sound complex, but Whoop interprets the data for you so it's easy to digest and actionable. And now, their 4.0 is officially back in stock and shipping in real time. But here's the best part. Whoop is offering my listeners 15% off their Whoop 4.0 right now with the code Joe at checkout. So go to Whoop, W-H-O-O-P.com and enter Joe at checkout to save 15%. Sleep better, recover faster, train smarter, and now feel healthier with Whoop. Next up is 8sleep. 8sleep has dramatically improved my daily performance. For me, I was never able to get a good sleep because I was always too hot. But now, I am falling asleep in record time, faster than I have before, all thanks to my 8sleep Pod Pro cover. The Pod Pro cover by 8sleep is the most advanced solution on the market for thermoregulation. You can add the cover to any mattress. The temperature regulation will create the optimal sleeping environment by adjusting to each side of the bed based on personalized sleep stages, biometrics, and bedroom temperature. The results are proven to be true. 8sleep users fall asleep up to 32% faster, reduce sleep interruptions by 40%, and get overall more restful sleep. And it's not just me who sleeps on an 8sleep. The product is so good that it's garnered the attention of CEOs, Olympians, UFC champions, and even the Mercedes F1 racing team. So go to 8sleep.com slash Joe, that's J-O-E, for exclusive Memorial Day savings through June 6th. Cool down this summer with 8sleep, now shipping within the USA, UK, Canada, and Australia. All right, let's get into this episode. Joe Pompliano runs Pomp Investments. All views of Joe Pompliano and his guests are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Pomp Investments. You should not treat any opinion by Joe or his guests as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his personal opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, guys, I'm here with Matt Liner. Matt, how are you, man? Good, Joe. How are you doing, man? Thanks for having me, man. Of course. Happy to have you. So I don't think you really need much of an introduction, but I'll give a short one anyways, I guess. You were the quarterback at USC, won a Heisman Trophy, national champion, played in the NFL for several years. I see you on TV now with Fox doing some of the broadcasting work. Talk to me about just like life after football, right? Like I know you're still associated with it to some degree, but you're not necessarily playing anymore. Just talk to me about that transition in general and how that's been. Yeah, look, I got, it was challenging, you know, when you retire at 30 years old and your your goal was to play for 10, 15 years and do all of this and kind of retire when you want. It was challenging. I, I knew I was done. I knew I felt done mentally. I knew that I wanted to come home, be closer to my kid and just, and, and see what was next. I didn't have a plan, you know, and fortunately there were a lot of great people at Fox. I live in LA. Fox is right down the street a lot of USC people there. So I had some connections and and they said, why don't you give the broadcasting thing a shot or 
So I did some shows early on in, in FS1's kind of like initial years back in 2013, 2014. And I really liked it. I wasn't very good, but I really liked it because it kind of kept me talking about sports and kept me in the game. And then I worked really hard to kind of get to the point where I'm at now on Big Noon Kickoff. And, you know, we, we feel like we just have a, a great show on Saturdays during the fall with, with our crew. We have fun. We talk about college football, which I love. We cover some of the best teams and all that. So the short of it is I, I really lucked into Fox because there's great people there that have really taken care of me, helped me grow, helped me become kind of the, not just the analyst, but like, you know, the, the person I am and, and all that. And outside of that, I got three boys. I got a 15 year old who is is going to be in high school next year. And he's, he just got his first couple offers from D1 school. So like that's starting to happen now on the other side, I'm a father of a son who's going through what I went through 20 years ago. But now it's a much different world that we live in in college athletics. And then I got two little baby boys, man. So I listen, life is good. I can't complain. I got a great family, great job, great wife. And I'm happy. And, and I'm almost, I'll, I'll be 39 this week. So I'm getting older though, that's for sure. Do you still get recognized everywhere in LA? You know, I do. It's it's funny. It's different. It's kind of that that age group of like the older guys in their probably 30s and above because they were teenagers or they were in their early 20s or whatever, my age and above. It's really funny, though. So I got I was at my son's football game a couple of weeks ago and one of the dads like went to his son who's probably 15, 16. It was like, you know, that's Matt Liner. He won a Heisman. Like, let's go talk to him. And he told me this story and he said, the son was like, who's that? You know? And I'm like, oh gosh, that's when you know that you're old. And he told me that I started laughing. I'm like, said, I know it's like, and again, I don't care, but I'm just at that age where like my son's friends know who I am because like they grew up with Cole and, and, and us here in Manhattan beach. But it's pretty funny, man. I think I'm holding on like by a thread of like that generation who kind of have an idea of, of who I was. I feel like you're in a good spot because people who were, you know, in that age group back then obviously know USC football, but right. also you don't want to get to the point where you can't walk down the street. So <laughs> that is, no, it's but, funny. You know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's just different, you know? And, and I always say this, like, you know, I work with Reggie and Reggie Bush is one of the most iconic people in, in college football history. And like these kids still know who he is because he was so iconic. And I always tell them, I'm like, I'm like, Hey, I was his quarterback, man. Like I was a part of those teams. So they always laugh, but you know, it's still flattering, obviously. And, and, and I love interacting with people. And, and you know, we, we talk about the golden ages of USC. So it, it's always fun. And I do enjoy it when it happens, you know, in that in that regard. So before we get into some of the NIL stuff I want to talk about, I have one more question off of that, which is like the transition into broadcasting. I can always tell when someone has had media training when they come on the podcast, because they answer questions in a very unique and like very kind of quick and pointed way. What was that like? I feel like it's not that easy to transition from a football player to a broadcaster. And we see it today, like we're recording this on, what's today, Wednesday. Tom Brady just got this new deal, right? He's going to be paid an absurd amount of money, yeah, $375 wow. million, two times more than anyone else has ever been given in a contract for broadcasting. But like the reality is he hasn't broadcasted, right? And I'm sure he'll be great at it, right? I'm sure they've, maybe they tested right. him or did something yeah. like that. But like, talk me through that transition, because I feel like you probably have to try pretty hard to get good at it. Listen, it is hard. And, and I'll never forget my first year at Fo one of my first two years at Fox, we were we were in on a Sunday for NFL Sunday and all and our studio show guys, you know, Strahan, who's who's a pro Bradshaw, those guys are great. And they've been doing it for a long time. But like but Michael Strahan is 
he's a crossover. He does entertainment. He does everything. And he's worked really hard. And I remember talking to him about it. And he's like, hey, welcome. And he's the best. He's a great dude. And he was like, hey, man, like, are you enjoying it so far? I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm trying to just trying to like not screw up, you know, on live television. And he goes, he goes, let me tell you something. I've been doing this for 20 years, 15 years. And he's like, every time that red light comes on, I still get butterflies like I'm playing a game. I've interviewed presidents. I've done all this stuff. He's like, I still get it. He's like, so don't worry. Like, embrace that feeling. That means you care and all of these things. And it was it was really, it was just nice because I'm like, okay, I'm not like, he's been doing this forever. And he's true. You know, when like when you're sitting there and, and we're doing that and the red light comes on, you're like, all right, dude, we're in. There's 5 million people watching. Like, don't screw it up. So my mindset early was, rehearse what I'm going to say. And these are the points I want to make. And again, on TV, we're, we're coached. Like, listen, the, the audience wants to hear why something happened, how it happened. And then can, you can relate it to a story or you've been in there. Like they always say, you're a quarterback. You've been in the locker room. You've been in that huddle. Take us through that. What does that feel like? And, and so you, you want to use your personal stuff and personal stories, but you want to be quick. You want to be to the point. Cause at the end of the day, like we're really only talking for 30 seconds, 40 seconds at a time. And you want to make sure that you're getting a point across. So like there's little there's little tidbits that we learn and, and I still learn and I feel, gosh, like I could go back to I don't even know when we before we went on the road, like 2015, 2016. And like I started feeling like, OK, I'm, I'm getting the hang of this. I'm not as like in my head. I don't have to sound perfect every time. People don't want to hear a robot. They want to hear like we're talking right now, just like loose and like this is actually this is what I think happened and why and all that. So that took a lot of time. It took a lot of prep. It took a lot of just reps like it does in anything. And and now I think we're all at the point on, at least on our show, like we just go up there, man. We have fun. We want to put on a good show. We want the viewers to watch us laugh, have a good time, learn, you know, give good insight because that's what college is, right? Like college is about the fan, the tradition, the the it's changing a little bit now, obviously, as, as these players are, are making money, but there's still a lot of history and tradition behind it. So we want to be a show that just celebrates that. But even for Tom, like Tom's Tom, but like that's a whole different world. And it takes a lot of time. It takes prep. It takes it takes reps and all that stuff. So it, it is a transition, but I liked it because I still felt it was it's super competitive and it still forces me to compete in a different way. And that's the, that's the problem a lot of, a lot of people have when they retire. How do you kind of fill that void of like the competitiveness and the fire and and I want to win and I want to do all those things. Well, we still do that in our show. You know, we want to win and compete every day and be the best show, you know, on TV for college football. So it's been a blast, man. It's, it's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun. I love that. It's almost like if you don't try as hard, you're almost better at it because you're not in your own head about it and you're you're more relaxed, right? Yeah, you, yeah. So like, and, and there's a lot of work. Like, there's a lot of watching tape and notes. And and again, you can put as much as you want into it, but you're going to come across on TV like you don't know anything. And so like, it is a lot. But my notes have gotten smaller over the years because one, you're just in the game for so long, you just you know. But like, yeah, you just you just you make your bullet points in your notes, but then you just go up and you just talk. You know, you just if you're rehearsed, you can tell. And I think that comes off as, you know, invalid and just like, people don't really want to hear that. We always talk about like, pretend you're at the bar with your dudes drinking beer and just talking ball, but you're the guy who, who's been in there and you're telling them what you're seeing. And that, and that, that's kind of like what I always think about when I'm on our, our show. That's what I think about college football. So that's perfect. (laughs) All right. Let's talk about NIL for a second. 
maybe let's start with like what it was like in your day versus today, right? I think everyone knows that NIL is is legal now. Players can monetize and, and profit off their name, image, and likeness in college sports. Football players have benefited probably to an outsized degree rather than any other sport. Quarterbacks in particular, et cetera. Obviously, in right. LA, the market is massive. You were at the top of that kind of pyramid back in the day, right? Whether it was 04 or whatever year it might have been outside of that. Talk to me through what that experience was like for you not being able to monetize it. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's all we knew at the time. So it didn't, and, and I don't know when like, you know, Ed O'Bannon kind of led the charge and all of this. And, and I, I forget the years, but it's been, it's been a long time. So yeah, I mean, back then, like, we didn't really know any better. We were obviously... USC was the best of the best at the time. We were in LA. I'm sure, like, I'd look back and I'm like, gosh, man, we would have made a lot of money back then. I mean, we just would have. But that, you know, it, it, it just wasn't the thing. And and things that were going on, you know, throughout college football at the time, you know, they were all under the table. You know, obviously, I can't speak for that, but like, there were, you know, people were getting trouble here and, and here and there. And now it's just been legalized, which I think was a long time coming. There, there, there's a lot of words I describe. It, it, it's scary. It's concerning at times. But I think it's also what players deserve. And I say all that because you, you're talking about 16, 17-year-old kids. High school in some states is legal for high school kids to make money. Some say it's not. You're, you're dangling sometimes millions of dollars in front of these kids who, gosh, I mean, are literally a 17 years old. So you know, some of those things make me a little nervous. And, and I do believe like there has to be regulation and policies will change. I mean, because this is just brand new. It just is brand new. And everyone, it's an arms race to try and go get talent. And the schools that have a lot of money and, and the backing, those are the schools that are going to win. But I'm all for it. If it's done in the right way, giving these kids an opportunity to make that money off their NIL, I think I'm all for it. We're just seeing there's no real market value yet for these kids. So like, you know, there, there's $8 million here. There's 50 grand here. Like no one really knows that yet because it hasn't set itself, but it'll come like it, it'll come in the next couple of years. And I, and I think this will kind of it'll kind of slow down a little bit and they'll have a plan and people will have a plan of, of how this all works. What do you think about the current market today? And I ask that obviously knowing that's like a loaded question, right? This is everything from we have collectives that are being set up that are you know, raising right. millions and millions of dollars and basically just funneling them to student athletes to be able to recruit them to their school. We have kids that are signing potentially six, seven figure deals. We have kids that are signing $10,000 deals to your point that may be worth much more than that. Like yep. just talk me through the current state, how you think it's going so far. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's challenging, you know, and you're going to have, you know, there, there's others, but you look at quarterbacks, right? Quarterbacks are going to make a lot of money. They just are. You've seen a lot of these quarterbacks, some high school kids, some college kids, getting insane amount of money thrown at them, you know, seven figures and, and legit seven figures. And is that sustainable? I don't think so because, you know, we don't know if these kids can play, you know, I mean, they might not end up being very good or they knock on wood. What if, what if they have an injury? What if they can't play? So, you know, the amount of money that's being shelled at these kids, it will slow down because like I said, the market will just, it will fix itself. I believe that it might take a couple of years, but yeah, I mean, look, I, I think, there's a lot of kids out there that that are trying really hard to get deals and are just not because they're not the big name. We'll, we'll get into in a second. You know, I really want to try and help those types of kids try and, and monetize their name, image, and likeness in the best way possible. But like I tell a lot of people, like in anything, if you just go out and perform and you handle your business 
you're going to get deals no matter where you're at. If you're at USC, you're going to get deals because there's going to be a lot of people that want to work with you. And Or if you're at Clemson or Ohio State, like you just go out there and perform. So that's the problem when I see with this NIL a little bit. Like I don't want these kids to get distracted from why they're there in the first place. You're there to play football. You're there to play basketball, baseball, whatever it is. Go out there, focus on that. Let the team around you go out and try and figure out, maybe get some deals, put some money in your pocket. And some of that will take care of itself. And and, and again, the, the reality is some of the kids are going to have way more opportunities than others. But every kid now has an opportunity, which they didn't have. So yeah, the, the market's wild right now. It'll probably stay wild for a year or two. And then I think once this kind of levels itself out, some players perform to that, some players don't. I think it'll start to slow down a little bit. How does this look when it comes to recruiting in general, right? If you're Nick Saban, for example, I feel like his his right. his biggest pitch was always, hey, look, we win national championships. I send this many people to the NFL. If you want to get to that next level, like this is where you should come. I, I have proof of that, right? And I feel like there's other schools right. that will now use this as the ability to narrow that gap and say, hey, look, I don't know if they're saying how much money athletes can actually make at their school. I don't know if that's part of the pitch in general, but just like, what are you seeing on that front, how this is being pitched to athletes from a recruiting perspective? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, it's, I mean, it's illegal. You know, you can't, you can't pay for play and you can't use opportunities to get a kid. You can't promise kids opportunities to sign in that school. So that was sort of, you know, I don't even want to say gray area, but I think that's what like the NCAA and people, even, even athletic directors and commissioners just came down recently and say, Hey, we got to change some of this because it's just not good for our sport. And I, I, I firmly believe that. I think there has to be some type of policy and regulation and rule in place, because then if, if you're doing it that way, the rich are going to stay rich, you know, and the rich, the schools that have all that money, they're just going to, they're going to get everybody. And all of a sudden you're going to see a lot of these schools not even have a football program anymore. So that will get fixed. I believe that, but yeah, I mean, look, I, I think there's these collectives being set up all over the country. There's alumni, there's boosters, there's real companies and real people that love their school, whatever school that may be. And, and those people want to do everything they can to help players, you know, make money. And I'm all for that. I think that that's a great way for these kids to do something because again, these kids have made these schools fortunes, you know, some of the top schools. So I hear it all. I see it. Obviously, every school has a different policy. Collectives are set up differently all across the country. So again, it, it's kind of like the wild, wild west where I think people are just trying to figure out what they're getting away with and what they can't. And again, I think at some point that's just all going to get changed and It'll, it'll, I don't want to say it's being done the wrong way, but it'll be done the right way collectively all across the sport, which is what we'll get to, you know, I mean, it's just right now, there's just no, there's no regulation, you know, so it's, it's to each their own, go, go get the players and, and do what you can, you know. Yeah, I think the unfortunate part is that some of the bad news probably overtakes the headlines, right? And the reality is that in aggregate, when you look at the whole landscape, it's probably extremely good still, given that football players make up a small percentage of the overall number of student athletes in college, right? There's, there's swimmers right. that can now give summer lessons yeah. and, and make a few hundred dollars. There's gymnasts that can, can monetize their social media, right? Like those are just random examples. But the point is that, that everyone can do this now and, and yeah. we shouldn't let the bad deals from a few athletes or a few people, individuals, boosters, et cetera, ruin this for everyone else. Do you think that's a fair kind of assessment? Oh, absolutely. Look, I forever, and I'm, and I'm sure you feel the same way. Like I always thought like, how in the hell are Olympians 
like Olympians, the best in the world, not allowed to have a deal because they're still a college student athlete. Like they're representing our country on the world. Like I, I just have always like, it was crazy to me. I'm like, holy crap. Like how are like these swimmers who are literally the best of the best, you know, Michael Phelps, like all of these people at gymnastics, like I'm a huge gymnastics fan and they couldn't make a dollar. It was like, like, are you serious? So like that to me was always the best part of this was like every student athlete, no matter the sport, can have a chance to make money, man. Like, and, and they can do it via their social media following. They can do it promote whatever it is. Now they have that opportunity. They don't have to be afraid to try and make, and you just mentioned the camps. Like, I think camps is the great thing. Like, like you can put a couple grand in, in a swimmer's pocket and they can host a swimming camp or lessons and all that. Like, that's awesome. I think that's great for the sport. And I, so, so yeah, I'm all for it. I think that's fair. I think that's the good of this. And not just football, basketball, but all of these sports and all these athletes have that opportunity, which was just mind boggling that they couldn't before. All right. So this leads us into Hall of Goats, which is an excellent name, by the way. Congrats on picking that. Such a great name. <laughs> I love it. I didn't come up with it, but it is a great name. Oh, it's all right. We'll give you credit because you're the only one here right now. <laughs> so Hall of Goats is a business that you just launched and founded with two other people, a former teammate of yours, and then the, the quarterback at USC now, Caleb Williams. Talk me through what exactly this is, why you're launching it, et cetera. Yeah, well, for, so so Greg Carlson, my former teammate, was a walk-on receiver. We lived together for three years. Like bo- We've been boys forever. He was a walk-on and then earned a scholarship his senior year. Just, you know, hard work and all that. And we always talk about it like with this. It's like, like we just talked about like in our era, gosh, like, you know, some of us would have made a lot of money. He would have never made any money because no one knew who he was, but when NIL was coming about like last year, he had started building this NFT platform. He has a tech background, software development, kind of built video games, apps, all that kind of stuff. And he was into, he's gotten into the NFT space for the last couple of years and, and really found it interesting and, and, and said like, this could be a great way to get athletes involved. So he built the platform named it hollow goats, which again, I agree. I think it's just a really cool name. And, and now the rest is history. We launched with Caleb. We feel like Caleb is not only obviously a very talented football player, has a bright future ahead of him, but he has a very unique perspective on NIL and being a, a true kind of representative of student athletes in this space. Like he, he very much realized. And what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? Yeah. So he very much realizes that he is a quarterback and he's going to have those opportunities, right? More than others. But, you know, from a business standpoint and really thinking about this on a much deeper level, he really wants to help these kids build that digital brand, which is what we're doing with Hall of Ghosts through the NFT platform. So, you know, we talk about student athletes and the shelf life of an athlete and to play professional, it is really small. And if it's not small, it's just non-existent because it's really hard to make it professionally. It doesn't matter what sport you play. And if you're playing a sport, like some sports don't even have professional leagues. So like when you're done in college, you're done. And then you got to figure out what's next. So through Hall of Goats, and again, this is just with with Caleb, like having that mindset of really helping kids like, hey, I understand that I'm going to have an opportunity, but like, this is a way that we can build this digital brand through NFTs, through telling our own story on and off the field, through working with other brands, 
through selling merchandise, through having utility and access to meet with us, to hang with us and build that community, that can last a lot longer than a playing career. That could last longer than Caleb's playing career. We don't know. You know, I hope not. I hope he plays for 20 years in, in the NFL and, and, and has tremendous success. So, so Hall of Goats is an NFT platform, right? We, we know digital assets, collectibles, all that stuff. You can collect these student athletes NFT, but by doing that, it's almost serves like a membership and it gives these fans, these communities, access to these players that you may not have before and the players because everything now like we know like social media and digital like all that like that's kind of the way of the future and these kids already have a lot of knowledge just in that space not necessarily nft space in particular because it's so new but just in trying to build a digital brand and create that following online so we want to be that platform that can really help them do that and really build that digital brand through them just telling their story and helping them build their own business, helping them build their own brand that that maybe they can monetize their name, image and likeness in other ways, you know, that that other platforms aren't doing. So that's the approach that we have with Hall of Goats. And we just want to be that kind of platform that kind of serves them in that in that right. And and it's been really fun, man, to build this thing. Obviously, the launch was was great. We got a lot of great feedback and have a lot of a lot of athletes in the pipeline that that we're talking to that we want to be a part of this platform. So it's fun, man. It's fun and it's fun for me because I'm a voice in college athletics and college football. But like we talked about, you know, I I, I was a part of teams that we probably would have made a lot of money in NIL, and I and I want to see these kids build that brand, make money doing it the right way, having fun, learning the business, learning how to grow their own brand. And I think that's, that's, that's our message that we're trying to get across. So I think this is a great idea first off, but I want to tell you why I think that and then get your feedback and see if you agree or if you guys think about it in a different direction. So the reason I think it's a great idea, I think if you throw the NFT component even to the side, right? That word confuses right. some people. Some people love it. Some people naturally hate it. And they just say, yeah. hey, look, this is a great idea. This is a terrible idea. But even when you throw that to the right. side, the way I think about the business is it's really a membership club, right? It's a community. Yep. And that NFT just, just is your membership pass, right? It's just your access that you have. So whether it's an NFT or a physical item or a stock certificate or whatever it is, that doesn't really matter to me. It's more about the community aspect. Yep. And my whole thing is that athletes, and we can use Caleb as an example here, but any really top tier athlete, they have access to more premium, what we'll call utility than anyone else in the world, right? If Caleb tweets out and says, hey, I'm going to be at this restaurant in LA on Saturday, come hang out with me for a few hours. How many people would show up? Thousands of people would show up, right? Yep. Same yep. with other athletes. So it gets even crazier when you think about like professional athletes. So I know this guy, course, David yeah. Schwab, who works at Octagon Sports Agency, and he works with Stephen Curry on his NFT project. Mm -hmm. And Steph, like, you know, one of the things with NFTs is some people look at them and they say, oh, this athlete's just trying to make money. They don't really care about this. It's just, right. just an NFT they're launching, whatever. Steph's donating 100% of it to charity, right? He doesn't need the money. He's really just building his brand and doing all these different things and giving access to people. But they've done a bunch of cool things, which are, they held an auction, right? So if you had an NFT, you were put into this raffle. 
the winners were flown out to California. They got yep. to shoot basketballs with him. They got to eat his birthday cake with him, right? For his birthday. Like just, just crazy shit, right? But the whole idea is <laughs> yeah. that people want to hang out yep. with these athletes. People want to be around the athletes. They want access to these yep. utility. So I think once people are able to get past the whole idea of like the NFT component and whether it's valuable or not, because to some people it's extremely valuable and some people it's not at all, right? But if you're able to yep. push that to the side and you just say, hey, look, I'm buying utility to this athlete and I'm helping them monetize their NIL through it. Like that seems pretty powerful to me, at least. I mean, that's the vision, you know, and again, you're right. So like, and that's a cool, that's cool that Steph does that because we kind of feel like with professional athletes and look, I can speak to this. Like I've done, I did things like that, you know, like people come out, meet and greets, like, oh, whatever it is, football camps. But like, we feel like it's probably a lot easier for college high school kids to interact with their community and their fans because like they're kids and like they're they're living like that you know obviously they're they're pseudo professionals now trying to make money but it is absolutely the way that we're thinking about it so like like and i'm with you with an nft we have different tiers that we're offering so a certain tier gets you this amount of access the ultra rare gives you like like that hey let's go shoot with steph curry i mean are you kidding me like people are going to pay for that so the fun thing about this, there's so many creative things you can do. That's the fun thing. It's like it's like endless opportunity to create that utility and access with these players. And I think that's the fun part about us when we talk to players or reps and all that. It's like, hey, like they build their community and, and they interact like that is going to blow them up in a way that one benefits them. But it like it creates all of that buzz around them, no matter really what they're doing in their respective sport. And I think that's a cool thing that we're thinking. And you're absolutely right. It is a membership that gives you access to your favorite basketball player on Duke, or it gives you, you know, your favorite quarterback in the SEC, whatever it is. And we're talking like with digital tailgates and we're talking about, you know, game worn memorabilia and just, just stuff, just cool things that give them that access. And like the raffle that you said, like that, that's part of it too, like auctioning off things and I'm having those in real life experiences. I think is the way of the future. And that's the way we're thinking of this because I'm with you, like an NFT, like I collect physical cards as well. Like I, I wouldn't say I'm like a hardcore collector, but I have a cool collection and I like it. And it just sits there and like, I'm not going to put it on eBay. Like I just like it, but like, it's not giving me access to anything. I just have a cool autograph Shohei Otani card that might be worth a lot in 10 years. But like, if you hold an NFT, you actually get access and you get all of those things that I don't get as a physical collector. So it's also educating. I'm glad you brought that up because it's also educating the people that don't know about this space because I own NFTs. Like I've invested in NFTs and some of them are cool. And some of them like the community is freaking awesome. Some of them like, oh, you know, it, it didn't work out, but like, it's really freaking cool. Like, it's like these people really love it. So we're trying to build that community in the sports world with these high school, college kids and really help them see like, hey, you have a, a community out there that you can help build and that will last with you for a long time if, if you if you engage and if you want to do that. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's what it's all about. It's all about the access utility. And you see a lot of like Steph is a great example. You see a lot of pro athletes do that, too. And, and again, it's such a new space, man. So like 
that there's so many different creative ways to do that. And that's definitely, definitely our approach in, in, in how it goes. Well, there's obviously demand for it, right? Otherwise the, the market would be inefficient, yeah. right? There, the supply has to meet the, the demand at some point. But I think the other thing that people leave out a lot of times is these athletes are building their fan base also in the digital space, right? And I, I can use a few yep. examples for this, but Saquon Barkley came on our, our show on YouTube and, and announced that he was taking all of his marketing money in Bitcoin. Right. And next thing you know, obviously every media outlet right. in the world picks that up. They tweet it out. They post about it. They write articles about it. But he was gaining thousands of followers online by the minute, basically, because people in that space are now fans of him. Right. They may not know anything about him. Yeah. They may not watch football. They may yeah. not even be from America, et cetera. And now they're a fan of him because he signaled to them that that's what he believes and that's what he wants to do. And there's countless yep. other examples. Right. We've seen it with Odell. We've seen it with Aaron Rodgers. We've seen it with Andre Iguodala, oh, plenty of athletes. Right. Those yep. are just the examples that come to mind. But I think that's another part of it, too. And the one thing I want to ask about and learn more about, too, is like the business model of this. Right. Are these like one and done type deals? You guys do a launch. Are they signing their exclusive rights to you guys? Like, how does that whole model work from the digital space? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it can vary. Obviously, you know, we are a amateur platform. So the minute these guys go pro, that could be four years, five years, two years, one year. Obviously, that that can change. But as far as the business side, and, and I think this is a cool thing to understand in the NFTs and what's different than owning physical cards. And this is more the business side for them and, and like what benefits the player. And you probably know this, but like every secondary transaction, they get a royalty fee in perpetuity. So like I have a baseball card, someone sells it or like I sell Otani's card. He's not making anything on that. Now, granted, he's made a fortune, whatever, but he's not, he doesn't he has no clue where his cards go and how they're sold and all that. And this isn't my backroom, but with the tech and the technology and the IP and all of that stuff, you can track that wherever it goes. And and again, if they blow up and they do well, or they they just had that community where people want to buy their NFTs, they want to buy it. Saquon Barkley goes and breaks a rushing record. All of a sudden, his NFT is worth triple. It's getting sold on the secondary market. He's starting to make pretty good money off that. So that's part of the business model for the kids that I think that's enticing for them. You know, obviously we have a merchandise angle, we have connections and, you know, relationships with the streaming and gaming world. So doing gaming and all of that. So, you know, the platform we make, you know, we make our cut and we do all of that, but what we can offer and all of the kind of arms and branches that we can connect these players to I think is much different than what other platforms are doing. So like I just said, like this is ever changing and, and that's what kind of makes it cool is like we can be as creative as we want and we can, and we also allow these kids, these student athletes to design a lot of like, we have an avatar based NFT. That's what our, our Hall of Goats is. And we give them full like designing rights. Like, Hey, design it however you want to look and you can help build this organically and we can kind of help you do that. So yeah, I mean, that's kind of the model. There's a lot of different channels where these student athletes can make money. What has been your overall take on how these student athletes are on the business side, right? Because we even see it in professional sports. Some athletes are, are fantastic. They put in the work. They really understand what's going yeah. on. And then some athletes, quite frankly, couldn't care less, right? They're just there to, to play the sport. Right. They don't necessarily care about endorsements or, or building businesses and all of these things. Have you seen a range of that or has it skewed one way or the other for you? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a range. I think because this space is so brand new in college and amateurism that 
a lot of kids are kind of lost. A lot of families are lost. It's like, cause it's like they weren't educated. And I think that's the one thing. And part of our roadmap at Hall of Ghosts and just part of our company is like a financial literacy piece, because that is going to be crucial. I mean, and, and dude, I've seen it in, I was lucky, like one, I, I made money, but I also had good people around me that like didn't take advantage of me. And you know, a lot of these kids, they come from nothing. So like you start to make a little money, which is great. That money can go really, really fast. And if you don't have an educational piece, then it's all for nothing, you know? And again, like I said, like I played with NFL dudes that made millions, but only played for two or three years, spent all their money. And now they're, you know, they're broke or they're, they're struggling to figure out what's next for them. And that, and that happens all the time. So it's a good question. I see a lot of like where kids just want to play and they're like, hey, well, this will take care of itself or I'm going to let so-and-so handle. I just want to perform and that'll be enough and that'll take care of this, which which I totally agree with. Then you see some that really want to be involved and really want to help. And maybe it's because like, hey, man, I know my chance of making it. It's slim, but I want to really engage in this stuff and really try to help grow, whether it's through us or whatever deals they're doing. So I've seen it all. I've seen it all. And 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 my advice and, and what I tell everyone is one, just listen, focus on your sport, work your ass off, be the best you can be. Things are going to happen for you because it will. Some may have to work harder than others to have those fall in their lap. I get that. And then really, really meet with and and ask as many questions as possible just to people you trust or people who are in the space or people who aren't trying to take that dollar from you. And that is so, so important. And that's been going on forever, even at the professional level. But now more than ever, you got kids, man, like kids and 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 you, you got a lot of people trying to tie themselves with these kids at a young age. And then all of a sudden they're making promises and promises they can't keep. And like, so I hear a, a, a wide variety of things, and, and that's kind of my message always is just trying to be a voice for whoever. And it's not like, yeah, we want to sign athletes, but it's not about that for me. Like, we're going to get athletes because we're going to do it the right way. We really want to help these kids. But I also have been a sounding board for people just to give them advice on them on the topic as well. I feel like that financial education piece is probably an under-discussed point of the NIL in general. It's, it's huge. and yeah. I And I hope that colleges and even high schools, and, and, and I know some are, but I, I hope they implement that as part of like a course. And I really, really do like a financial literacy course or, or have speakers come in and just, and, and have people there that these kids can talk to and ask questions and learn because it is scary. The amount of money that's getting thrown to these kids and the amount of deals that are bad deals that these kids are going to get involved with because they don't know any better. So the NFL does it a little bit and even in the NFL it's important as well but but more so now with these younger kids is I'm hoping high schools and, and whoever it is coaches teachers guidance counselors really kind of help navigate these waters for the student athletes you know in all sports I live in Florida as we were talking about earlier and I know several other states have done it but Florida just made it a law that you have to take a financial education and financial literacy class before graduating high school which is great which is obviously awesome. the curriculum yeah. is dependent yeah. on that and everything right yeah. so like sure figure out what what is best to be discussed but that in general I think is important because financial education is a is a huge thing that's missing not only here in the United States but really globally yeah. but then when it comes to athletes like you know this better than anyone I've talked to some college athletes before that had amazing pro careers. And in your case, you were fortunate enough to make it to the next level and play several years and make money and do all these things. But there's plenty of people who had these great careers and didn't do that, right? 
and their face is on the tickets, their face is on the TV, their face right. is on the shirts, and they didn't make any money from it, which would have been their highest earning opportunity potentially of their life, right? So you're in this like weird dynamic where, sure, now they're able to monetize it, and maybe that gets them in these weird situations where it's a bad deal or they invite bad people around them, people that are trying to attach themselves. But at the same time, yeah. for the people who are fortunate enough to make it to the next level, it's almost good to some degree to do that because you're getting that out of the way early when you're dealing with something that might be at smaller stakes than an NFL contract or something like that. You agree with that or do you think that's just completely irrelevant? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did bad deals in the NFL and I'm like, shoot, I, you know, and maybe if I would have had that education prior, I mean, like, okay, this is what not to do. I mean, gosh, I mean, I still learn that today. So I, I think there is some validity to that really just the matter of the facts is just the educational piece. Like people are going to make mistakes. Like you're going to have a bad real estate deal. You're going to, you know, you're going to meet someone who you trusted that maybe didn't end up being who you thought like that's going to happen. And that's going to happen in high school, college and professional. I just think the most important piece of that is just doing your best to surround yourself with educated people and good people that don't care about taking the money, you know, a piece of that pot, you know what I mean? And how do we do that? You know, and that's through educational courses. That's through meeting good people. And, and look, I want to be one of those people. I don't, you know, obviously I, I'm, I have a business and I'm, we're launching this, but like, I'm more than happy to help give kids advice that have nothing to do with NFTs. I could care less, you know? So I, like, I was just going to say, I feel like you would be one of the people that would be like at the top of the list for that because of the role that you played in such a big market at the top of the, the system, right? And you were that star player on that team that was seen as that kind of like top tier athlete in college. If someone did ask you like, what is that advice? What is that one piece or two pieces of advice? I mean, it's kind of what I've been saying. It's like, I would just say, focus on your sport. And, and that's cliche and simple, but like, listen, like you got to this point for a reason, you're getting recruited for a reason, work, work, work on that and perfect your craft and do everything you can to position yourself to be the best you can be in your sport, your position, period. Because like, dude, I got distracted big time in the NFL. And part of the reason why I didn't probably have the career that I thought because of distractions and whatever those were. And now those distractions are happening earlier and earlier and earlier. I was fortunate enough that like, like I did have good people around me and I was able to kind of bounce back and, and now I have a great job at Fox, but I realize not everyone has those opportunities. So Continue to focus on your goals, your personal goals, and what that is in your sport. And what do you want to achieve and what do you want to do? And then the second thing and the best advice, and again, I keep saying is just like, is really, you can't be afraid to ask questions. You can't be afraid to go out and try and surround yourself with the good people. And also the last thing that I would do and something that I did not do, and it's harder when you're younger, but is don't let other people speak for you. And I did that and I allowed a lot of people to make decisions for me when I was coming out of college. So I was a little bit older. I allowed other people that I, that, that I still trust and, and, but, but I allowed them to like, kind of say like, Oh, I don't care. Like, okay, whatever you guys think. And at the end of the day, it's about me, right? It's about me and the people that I'm going to be tied with, whether it's through business or teammates or whatever, or friends, whatever. So that was something that was hard for me because I'm just like, I don't care, like whatever you guys think. And so I always tell people now, like, find that voice, find what you want. Like, what do you want? If you just want 
this, then go. Then, then don't worry about all this other stuff. And you tell the people around you like, hey, this is what I want to do. Don't worry about the other stuff. So, and it's hard to do, but like, I would tell these people to like, don't let other people run the stuff for you. You know what I mean? Like I, I did that at a time and I finally got to the point where like enough is enough. This is me. I am like, I'm the one playing. I'm the one that's going through this. Like I want to have my own voice and what I want. I love that. I think that's great advice, yeah. but I've taken up enough of your time. I appreciate you doing this today. Yeah, no, you're good, man. This was fun, dude. <laughs> this was this great. Was I enjoyed it a lot. Lastly, where can I send people to go find out more about Hall of Goats, find you on the internet or anything else you want to promote? Yeah. So, so hollagoats.com is our website, all the social media. You can just, you can type in Hall of Goats and it'll pop up with our emblem. I'm actually wearing, we don't, I don't have my emblem on, but they'll find it. And then my social handles are all just at Matt Liner QB. But yeah, we're, we're building the presence on social. And again, it's all about community as we talked about. So really trying to get people on our Discord and our community. But if you go to the website, hollaghost.com, all of that information is there for you. I love it, man. I think you guys are doing something great because not only are you building a business and sure, like people look at capitalism and they're like, oh, they're building a business. But at the end of the day, like you're helping athletes monetize their NIL, which is yep. obviously beneficial for them. Absolutely. And then from the other point of view is like, Probably no one better to talk to than you about this stuff when it comes to advice around handling the pressure, making sure you're doing the right things and making it to the next level. So I like it, man. Keep it up. Hopefully we can do this again in a year sure, or maybe two years or whatever it ends up being when when you guys are super successful and whatnot and, and we'll have to do it again. Appreciate you, Joe. Thanks for having me, man. This was fun. And again, yeah, hopefully we can grow this thing and, and help these kids, man, because that's it's what it's all about. I love it. Awesome, man. All right, everyone. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, I appreciate you listening to The Joe Palm Show. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple or Spotify so that you don't miss any episodes going forward. And if you are looking for additional content, check out my daily newsletter at readhuddleup.com or follow me on Twitter at Joe Pompliano. I hope you have a great day and I'll see you next time.